Hold on. On a scale of one to ten, how filthy is today's show? And say where where maybe one is not filthy at all. That one of those one of those Cliff Richards uh, films from the sixties, and ten is something with Harvey Keitel on it. This is a solid twelve. So uh, <laughs> you know, maybe cover your ears for parts if you're not if you're a bit of a prude. This show is a tiny bit X-rated, but it's still going to be very enjoyable. So do listen. It's yeah, and as well as there's going to be some adult language, but there'll also be a frank discussion of issues relating to the adult language, which it doesn't may not necessarily contain swear words, but might contain visuals. Yes, exactly. Yes. So yes, I'd say if this is if you don't think it's going to be appropriate for you, this episode may not be for you. of studios in Dublin. Welcome to Mother Folklore, a podcast about words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. I'm Dara Gaucher. I'm Clodagh McGinley. And you're all very welcome to today's episode. Clodagh, obviously, and you, you are still glowing in the afterglow of graduation. Oh, I don't know about that, Dara. <laughs> just just swallowing through life now, realising how much Ireland appreciates young, talented graduates. <laughs> it really does, my God, the arts, the poor arts. That's not what the show is about, but that can mm. be that can be an eventual show at some stage. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, I found I found moving from doing fairly well, reasonably well in a humanities degree to the world of work was a huge, huge slap. I kind of come down, and obviously, maybe yes, it was my own decision to do things that weren't maybe weren't specifically read to an awful lot of jobs but I didn't I hadn't really realized how severe it was going to be mm-hmm. it's a big adjustment yeah and times haven't really changed I mean things are that little bit more liberal these days but mm-hmm. ultimately reality is still reality and that's just the sad truth but it doesn't have to be the sad truth either you know reality is what you make it so absolutely you can inject your life with positivity if you want to Something I really noticed with some of my younger friends is uh, that recent graduates and yeah, people in their early twenties in general are a lot more entrepreneurial than um, than they were <laughs> when I when I was. I think people maybe in the Celtic Tiger people expected didn't feel any pressure to be entrepreneurial because they knew there was going to be some sort of job available. Whereas now I'm seeing people like yeah, saying yes, I'm applying for this job, but I've also got this kind of makeup gig going on, on the side, mm-hmm. and I'm also doing these kind of other all these other things and also selling these things in Etsy or eBay and you know what I'm constantly working please pay me and obviously the, the the background of that isn't just you know gumption some of it is just the horrible horrible uh, millennial poverty it truly is I mean like the recession happened when I was about 13 in 2008 yeah. so all the way through secondary school we were kind of exposed to this whole idea of oh you'll never have a job oh it's all terrible oh you know mm. the world is such a harsh place so we've really kind of prepared ourselves i think i think also obviously social media means that we've all seen the benefits and we've all seen you know where blogging can take you where having a mua page on instagram can take you and yeah. all these different things so it's definitely not a bad thing you know i think it's a fantastic thing and i think it's great to have you know multiple streams of income and everything else mm-hmm. But there is definitely that kind of like entrepreneurial fire, I guess you could say. I mean, I'm not even sure if startups really existed in the form they do nowadays back when I was, you know, say 13, 14. I'm not sure mm. if that was really a thing, but that's really become that's really become a thing. So Yeah, I think it's, well, I suppose, often I find when you ask some of the difference between a startup and just a company, you get mm. this kind of wobble. But I, I, it does seem, obviously, that there's, that there's maybe... um. 
there's a break in that the, that kind of social contract between employers and employees and mm. for all, better and for worse too I mean mostly for worse in fairness mm, yeah I mean <laughs> whatsapping your employees at 10pm is not a good thing I was speaking on behalf of a very good friend of mine mm. who has been whatsapped by her employees who I won't name but they're in a different country so it's fine but I'm not going to name them even anyway and it's just so unprofessional and terrible. Please don't do it if you were mm. an employer listening to this show. It's not okay. Yeah, and apparently GDPR is supposed to hit that in the head too. Mm-hmm. But well, of all the things, <laughs> people, people aren't really sure. But one of the reasons I guess you, you haven't fired along today is because of, in addition to your, um, you, when you studied Irish in Trinity College and you did very well, you also dipped your toe into some related or re- related languages. I did indeed. We did kind of a little variation of Celtic studies and one of the modules was Scots Gaelic. Mm which is very, very similar to Irish. I mean, if you know Irish at all, you will pick up Scots Gaelic really, really easily and quickly. Um, the pronunciation is a little bit different, but other than that, it's very, very similar. The nature of it can be a little bit different at times, so, and that's kind of partially what we're going to discuss on today's show, how, you know, certain parts mm-hmm. of Scots Gaelic, the way it's delivered, the way it's um, used in speech and everything else. I would nearly go as far as to say that it's slightly less formal in a way than Irish in certain respects. It's less kind of based upon an idea of kind of beauty and grandeur. Like there's something far more earthed about it, mm-hmm. you know, again, for better or for worse. But it is very interesting. It is. And it's obviously we, we, we are, there's more going on in the relationship between Irish and Scots Gaelic than we can cover in one episode. But I did want to do just a general introduction and I wanted to... Obviously, I wanted to speak to some Scottish people about how things go over there and the larger geopolitical issues and how how two very similar languages moved into the 20th century. One had a family, the other didn't. One was divided along religious lines and the other wasn't. Mm. That's not really what today's episode is about. Today, we're just going to give um, and to give some context and examples of how certain words in the two languages might sound different and certain traditions are the similar and the same and to give an idea of how familiar it might be. I have found a work which I believe you might find quite interesting. And we're going to read and discuss some extracts from it and compare it to similar Irish works. The book in question is... On Lara Lea. On Lara Lea, which is the light blue book. We'd know that as the grey book, but obviously light blue, grey, they're as messed up with colours as we are. Exactly. And this is 500 Years of Gaelic Love and Transgressive Verse. It's edited by Peter McKay and Ian McPherson. Mm. It is published by Lua Press in Edinburgh. Lovely. And, yes, and this deals with a number of poems, traditional poems in Scots Gaelic. So you won't find Robert Burns here. He spoke Lowland Scots. Oh, interesting. But, and obviously we, we all love Robert Burns, and, but this is more the Scots Gaelic, so the, it'll be interesting to see how we're going to discuss some poems and see if you recognise some of the words from them. And uh, Clodagh knows more about the pronunciation than I do, so she's going to be guiding me as I fumble through some of this um language. We'll do our very best. Disclaimer as well, I'm not Scottish evidently so if my pronunciation isn't fantastic then don't come for me. <laughs> we will obviously. We will do our best. We will of course be having a, a, a more in-depth discussion of the, the broader context of Scots Gaelic with a Scottish person soon. I wouldn't just have, say here's Scots Gaelic, there you go. Exactly, yeah. Yes, no, we'll so, do it justice. So we consider this a, a pre-introduction. Yes, albeit filthy. <laughs> oh yes. So we're going to start with a poem, just and um, Clodagh is going to read it in the Scots Gaelic, and we're going to talk about it, and then I'm going to read the English translation. Clodagh, this is Eistav Alucht Antigsha. And this poem was written by Isabel Nivek Kailane, Kuntish Erir Rail. Eistri Alucht Antigsha, Reishgail, Eve, Namut, Mriver, the Hanti Makrisha, Quid Sosh Gaelov, the Scriva. 
Lienver, but bra vullach, the vets and I'm sure Rowan, ta ekvar on eerd kroisha, but os ka vara Rowan, but mahagert hurstil, gay atag of fata, shasvak, ochakan, on kuelauer, on reva ata navakan, ata rawa rorar, aunchen, isni scale breaker, nocha kula a ho rawer. Ovot Aragish is HD. Excellent. Mm. And let some listeners will be surprised or not recognize all of that, be a little startled. But there's going to be a few words in there which I believe a lot of you will recognize. First of all, there is um, a T shirt at this house. Mm-hmm. T. Yeah, very tig. similar. I spelled T I G H E, which so you think that looks a bit like Tig in Irish. Fair enough. And there is, you may have seen the word, heard the word hoggart or sagart, which you will recognize as the word for a priest. Mm-hmm, exactly. And row rower, meaning very thick or very fat. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the verbs do are quite similar. You will. Uh, the, the scale is there for a story. It is. And bud, of course, is another word which you'll recognize. That might give some context to the poem, uh, bud <laughs> being the word for a penis. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read the English translation, which is listen, everyone in the house. By Isabel McAileen, the Countess of Argyll. Listen, everyone in the house, to the tales that I have written of the energetic cocks with which my heart is smitten. Forget the death-dealing cocks so plentiful in the past. This man of holy orders has a cock helmet at least as vast. Though the cock of my salaried priest is enduring and long, ah, have you heard about the stoutness of his dong? It is so mightily thick, I promise these aren't lies, since Fergus, there's been no cock anywhere near as wide. Listen. So, we weren't lying when we were, uh, we, we, we gave her a little warning at the start of the show. That's pretty filthy. The use of the word dong gets me every time. It's just so hysterical. I haven't heard that word in so long. And this is the thing, because this is, I mean, it, it, it rhymes obviously with enduring and long. Mm, exactly. <laughs> so this is a, 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 a scholar, a scholarly translation. Exactly. That's that's why you're referring to the line which refers to his dong. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on there. Uh, there is quite a lot going on there. There is quite a lot. It's quite a you could call it a vulgar piece of work at one level, but it is also. I presume it is somewhat humorous too, you know. I yes. mean, you really could not sit down and write that and take yourself seriously. Maybe you could. I don't know. And she but. is a countess. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> she's experienced, clearly. Yeah, <laughs> she's exactly. well-versed in the, the vocabulary of the penis. And this, just to give you some context, this poem was around the 16th century, the 1510. So this would be roughly contemporaneous to um, the pre-Shakespeare I'll take your work. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pre Shakespeare. Yeah, so yeah, maybe maybe um, I'm going to do a double check, but I believe that would be contemporary to Chaucer. Mm. Hang on. No, it would have been about a century after Chaucer. Okay, but, not too far uh, after. Yeah, but basically, yes. Um, in between Shakespeare and Chaucer, this is roughly that time. So that gives a context. So Scotland would have been going through this was off lots of stuff there, but you can see there that that there's there's a lot, a lot of words there which would be very similar to the ones we'd recognise in Irish. So the next poem we're going to look at is, yeah, this is an anonymous poem, but it's titled Coralon Cormac de Vac Ideal Hagagna. Cormac's advice to someone choosing a wife. Vic, nor hate who haya mra, shakan binadek, kinadak is nadak, shakan avinachulak is an ila cry, shakan ulak avala, 
knop er slogan is cos er urishan shocken namnaha dona kale shock guna shock lesham fire trash the hyen on course knocked na sheer rash dan tyen fein shocken narui vyaka is narui vora narui rock vosach kan onen dauschen is sevenon on teal mari eid am fear fein the co lauchus Shocken a vok vasak, a chlud schleishak, is a yer spogak. Shocken a vishak vor a chush kladi, eg aum biak on tashnamora lan, looked ver as on corp chan, te, tartak, nak tuga ban da grinage freed a mock air, bullock gungara ura, taina dunna malda, na dua knasiala, kirka bika. Er ga na luak, luak. Sheer is na shakan. Maha ja vesen aun on shur er on daun. Is an an shin aha iet. Is chanel isko on te aun veil iet. Excellent. There's some words there that you may have caught out as saying, yes, I kind of recognize that one. Such as rua. You've heard the word rua there, it's referring to red hair. Mm-hmm. And avik, it's starting out with being a son. When I was addressing one son, Mana obviously meaning we always interpret it as being woman, but here in here it's being used in the context of being a wife, mm-hmm. man and woman, man and wife, so yeah. forth. They are like intimately linked words. Mm-hmm. And yeah, normally ban in the singular in um, in Scots Gaelic can refer to a wife. Mm-hmm. Fun fact for you. And there are definitely differences. I mean, there are certain things like ta, obviously meaning is, mm-hmm. but then the negative version in Irish it would be. Ni will, but then in Scots Gaelic, Chan El. Chan El. Chan El, yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, it is a little bit different. It's kind of, the L is not too too dissimilar to Will, but the Chan is just, it just emerged. That's just the negative, it's the negative kind of. Um, Chan, like almost like gone, but not quite. Not dissimilar to yeah. gone, yeah, not dissimilar, but it's not quite, it's one of those things where it can sound quite similar, but it's not necessarily linked to that makes sense. I think we've discussed that on the show before that you know, certain words that sound similar in different languages. It could just be coincidence, it could be yes. a link, it could be this, mm. that, the other, you know. Absolutely, yeah, we can. You, can't, you cannot rule out coincidence in these situations. But Cormac's advice to a son when choosing a wife, in English, the, again, this is anonymous or gun-era mm-hmm. <laughs> in, uh, in the Scots. So it's, son, when you come to choose a wife, shun the little Twitterer, the clannish one, the pert one, shun the wood gabbler, the shore screamer, shun the am- amorer's load, the gullet clogger, the front door foot jammer, shun the hallions, the gossipers, the fickle ones who'd rather a jaunt to their neighbours than an eternity at home. Shun the little redheads, the big redheads, the stiff arse redheads. They're not like worldly women, they kill men with their antics in bed. Shun the soft arse, the heavy thighed, the sharp clawed, shun the lump of seaweed from the foot of the shore with the broad, broad bulky ribs and the hot tight, thirsty body who no woman could give birth to without a lot of thrusting. Choose the bashful brunettes, those with white skin and black hair, the small, tanned ones and mousy hair. Seek them out and don't shun them. If there are three women in the world with good manners, it's among these you'll find them. So Cormac's advice (laughs) to his son isn't really good advice. No, no. (laughs) I mean, you could argue that. I'm loving Shun the soft arse, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Yes, indeed. So the um, for context there, um, 
so shachin a vaisach more of yeah oh shachin and bug vasach that's a soft arst mm-hmm. bug vasach good bug. god yeah um yeah so i wouldn't take Cormac's advice um choose someone you know who um who you respect who respects you back making and you make each other laugh and you know and um and you're on each other's side the person who you'd, you'd miss the person exactly. who, yeah the person who you know you'd miss if you if you had to go away yeah no Cormac's advice the tad extreme Yes, and a little bit on the shallow side. Just a tiny bit, you know, <laughs> just a tad. But, uh, you know, it was a different time, you know. Uh, it would no want to have been. <laughs> <laughs> God, I really hope times have changed. <laughs> I, I hope so too. <laughs> David Kidd, hello, how are you? <laughs> it was a bit dramatic, the post maybe, and part of you goes, oh. Now, you feel like to. you have to leave now. Well, there's that, and there's me, and then it's like your mates texting you, going, "Geez, what's going on? Like, can can we go yeah. for going away pints and all this?" Kind of stuff? <laughs> Hello, my name is Dave Hanrowdy, and there will be no encore. Your weekly music smackdown every Friday on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Okay, we've we've gone through some kind of coarse ones, but I think we're going to go to maybe a a lovely one now yeah. because. You know, there are lovely ones, and it would be a real shame if we just implied that our Scottish neighbours, our wonderful, loyal Scottish neighbours, were just filthy, and we weren't. That would be that would be wrong. That would be highly unfair. And shameful. It really would. So. No, you guys all need a break from the from the vulgarity of the... Okay. So this one is Avrua Jeremy Lat Arrear, which is by Niall Gallagher, who is a modern poet. He's only born in 1981. Oh, wow. Which to me, is, to me is quite young. <laughs> or which you think he's very an old fogey. Ah, oh, no. No, it's only a decade in the difference. Not <laughs> <laughs> <That> all. <laughs> decade flies past. Absolutely. Okay. Fruiter me lat arrear. Fruiter me lat arrear. Mar her eat an an Catalonia. Arrear machler. Chanaun urt. No much. Yen get a va eat illa fear, ek dera eke ella, oclat. Os j mara rhine shin fesha, hurric shin seal ella, is shine ner coddle, far on jach shin cola agus manal, er dawi, the heak fomalav yesh. Is tu a heel, subsic gok never, es griefish me, is tusib brich gok dan, meanoch gok shantans, is gok breher. As be a vel e fearin er no burn, no mavrather, far a vel vine, er gil agus a graver colanta. Catalonia. Catalonia. It's a very Scottish word. (laughs) It's a very Scottish word, and that is one of the ones now. You may have been listening to that and thought, yeah, I recognize some um, lash, obviously you, uh, me, YOU. And then you may have recognized also uh, fear, meaning true. Mm-hmm. And you may have also recognized fearin, meaning masculine, understandable. And but you now, but we'll look at the word of the poem in English and see what you think. I dreamt with you last night by Niall Gallagher. I dreamt with you last night, as they say in Catalonia, according to my dictionary, not of you or about you, although they were all true by the end of, of another night, but with you. After we had sex, we made another world in our sleep, where we went together, my breath on your neck, my right hand on your breast. You, my love, are the subject of every verb I write, the substance of each poem, the meaning of each sentence and word, whether it is masculine or feminine, in my dream, where there is only our love and grammar perfected. 
Oh, that's lovely. I love that. It's it's you know it's it is again. It's uh, it's it's it, there's a there's a physical familiarity there, but mm. there's there's nothing kind of gratuitous or, or anything like that. It's it's very lovely. Like that's, I mean, maybe some people might bristle at the word sex and breast, but that's like that's a pop home we could read at a wedding. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'd be quite happy to have that right at my wedding. It's, to be honest. I dreamt with you last night by Nala Gallagher. Take a note. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Absolutely. So that's that's a gorgeous poem. But again, this is this is more modern. This is obviously, as you mentioned, this poet was born in 1981, mm-hmm. and this again. I'm beginning to see less recognisable words now that we have moved forward a few centuries. It is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it mm-hmm. does get increasingly less kind of similar to Guelga, I suppose, the more it goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, to be quite honest, I'm not sure of those reasons as to why that happens. I presume it's because when words were still originating, they mm-hmm. were all quite close-knit. But then as more time expanded and, you know, people expanded and regions expanded and everything else, more dialect, dialectical, dialectic things dialectical um influences came in and words changed and shifted and there's a little bit of shape shifting going on so while scots gallic is still extremely similar to guelga Hmm. it's definitely not the same language you know i mean you would need to sit there and learn certain things and you would need to sit there and go through vocabulary and um the phonetics are quite different at times too Hmm. you know and the grammatical things can be very very different but overall though it is very easy to learn you know, you may give the example earlier of Perth. I did. I did. There is, if I remember correctly, and somebody, if you know there isn't a town in Scotland called Perth, please do correct me. But I think there is. And in Scots Gaelic, it's Perth. So there are certain things too. So if you want to say in Perth, let's just say, mm-hmm. for words that begin with B and P, you have to say am. But for words that begin with, I think it's F, is it? And then D. Possibly as well, you say an an, oh. so an am perched, but an an dunajan dunajan is Edinburgh. Uh-huh. Um, so that's one example of how the phonetics can be quite dunajan. Dunajan, yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, no, it is actually really lovely. I presume dune comes from you know it's, it's quite so Irish. It's like Aegean's town. Yeah, something like that. It's lovely. It is really really lovely. There are really really lovely terms. Um. Yeah, I mean, overall, the phonetics, you know, they're not dissimilar, but there are definitely differences. Um, like that example, Persh, the RT can mm. come across more like a sh sound. It's quite a soft sound. It's a softer language, I would say, overall. And then a G um, is sounded like a C. So scale, interestingly, in the older poem, scale was still spelled C, S-C-E, father or their version of a father, yeah. A-L, but... The way that we learned it when I was in college, it was S G E U L. So that kind of phonetic, mm. you know, pronunciation has come in in more recent times, maybe. Um, but scale would be it would be pronounced the same, but it's S G as opposed to S C. This is the thing there because I was just looking there at the last line: our our love and grammar perfected in English, and our our Augusta grammar chalienta. So, gael obviously being the word for love there. Yeah, I'm not going to be. I'm not an authority in Scots Gaelic, but that I mean that may very well be a double meaning or a decision in translation. But yeah. that's uh, it's interesting, obviously sounding like a, a, a Scottish or a, a Irish person, a Gael. But the uh, yeah, it's a lovely, <laughs> lovely little note there. We might have uh, one more poem. This is an interesting point. Rody Gorman has written this poem, and this this will be interesting too when you look at the translation side by side, the actual decisions made by a poet in the circumstances. Rodeo. Show me Ian Arisht, Bale Recall, Suus Erdogan, 
Namvarki Rodeo. Healy tu on Jay. Nadirshi me Santiak ut Gunraumi Airfayan. On Uker Air Agnohok. Ak Asht. Nur Yerish Mikan Dielich. Ha Is Agum. Glan Gerhe Ha Rome. O Baba Bobo. Hurry Ho Ro. Titchum. So evidently he described in the rodeo, but you will see in the English. So in English, this is rodeo. Here I am again, about to get on your back, a rodeo rider. You'd think after all my experience in position that I've ma- managed to get a handle on the business, but still, when we get in the saddle, I know I well know that before me there's a bo- oh ba ba bo bo hurla ho ho a f- that fall a fall a fall a fall yeah titum. As opposed to I fall. It says he's translated as, as a fall, which is again mm. interesting because to tell him looks certainly like the verb for me, yeah. me, me falling against, you know, the removing that part. So again, you, you look at um, you look at this particular poem and then <laughs> <laughs> you see there that I see, I see this is a kind of a, a humorous poem, uh, a humorous and mucky poem. But then the decision to just with the in the translation to say you know what these automatic peg sounds let's just leave them as they are precisely and keep that flavor going so that's uh it is intriguing and there's a bit of a double meaning in terms Mm -hmm. of bow being you know being cow obviously in irish i suppose maybe you know they did keep that in mind too yeah so i wonder if that's actually just a a a native call and a a native (laughs) call there in in, in scots gallic so this has been a um an interesting kind of a first dip into this um into this extraordinary language we will be hoping um, visiting again because it's a, it's one of the most interesting comparison points between Irish and other languages. We we are often forced, compelled to compare Irish to English, which isn't always a um, a useful comparison. But this Not is something that hopefully we'll put there. The text we've been looking at today is called On Laura Leah. And as we said at the top of the show, it is published by Lua Press in Edinburgh. And it is edited by Peter McKay and Ian McPherson. And you can get that in bookshops around Ireland. Beautiful. And Scotland too, I'm sure. So, until the next time, thank you so much, Claudia. So it's a slant from me. And a slant from me. Catch you next time. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.